Welcome to the Shelf Shedding Movie Show. I'm your host, Jason Dubray. And for this episode, number 69, I'm going solo to go through my choices for yet another top 10 show from our 2023 31 Days of Horror Challenge put together by Scott Lehman. I always have a lot of fun with these challenges. I I do try to um, make it a true challenge in finding movies sometimes that I haven't seen before or ones that are a little bit weirder or international or a little bit different. And that certainly plays into uh, the picks that I make. I would say that I had a bit of a mixed bag. Uh, there was only one movie I was able to watch per day. So I, I saw 31. Again, nothing compared to a couple of years ago when I got to 50 movies for that challenge. And so I, I do find that I was I was able to come up with uh, a top 10. And I actually think I'd probably have a, definitely a top 12 that I would be talking about. Uh, two of the movies I decided, uh, because they're going to be part of another show coming up soon, which is a bit of a follow-up to a show I did uh, with Rank and Review, which I'll talk about uh, sometime in the near future. So they likely would have made this list of 10 if I didn't decide to include them, but I'm going to uh, talk about them uh, at another time. So I took those ones out for sure. Uh, I was kind of trying to find movies that haven't been mentioned in previous years, uh, top 10 shows as well, uh, to feature. I, I would say that uh, nine of the 10 are solid horror movies for sure, no doubt about it. I do have one which might be a little bit more of an action thriller, but certainly have uh, has some horrific elements to it. Uh, so before I get to my list, I do want to mention that our next episode is going to be episode number 70, and I believe I'll be having uh, Carmelita Valdez-McCoy back on. I'm very excited to have her back on. But this will be a bit of a change now, kind of moving forward. I think we'll still have some shows, which are the six reviews. I think we'll keep kind of doing a little bit of a, a a version of a point system, but it may not be quite the same point system that you've been used to in in earlier episodes. And I might be doing a few more solo shows and kind of shorter episodes along the way, ones that shouldn't be quite as long as some of my uh, more recent ones here, uh, with the goal of producing more episodes and also as far as uh, the time commitment for my guests there, six movies can be a lot sometimes. So Uh, just being aware of that. And I'm looking forward to the ways that we can take a look at experimenting with this uh, format and also perhaps coming up with some more current reviews as we move into 2024. Certainly we have this show being a top 10 show. Uh, We'll be having a couple more top 10 shows in the next few months. My uh, top 10 discoveries of the year uh, and then, of course, my top 10 movies of 2023, which are usually a little bit more into 2024 because I wait for those limited release uh, Oscar contender movies. And then, um, of course, I'll be looking at uh, doing some more Oscar shows when that season comes up there. So things to kind of look forward to uh, as we move into episode 70, moving towards uh, eventually 100 episodes of the Shelf Shedding Movie Show. And as always, I appreciate those who listen to this and support this podcast, which is very much a labor of love. So moving now on to my list of of 10 movies, and simply I think because of this one being the one that some might argue is not completely a horror movie, I did put at number 10 a movie called The Silencing. body was dumped in the water. 
Think whoever killed her was hunting her for sport? I wouldn't call it a sport. But yeah. She was hunted. Breaking news. We're here at a crime scene where a body has been found. I need to see that girl. She could be my daughter. I remember hearing about your daughter. I'm still catching up on active cases. My daughter's case is far from active. There's someone out there killing teenage girls. What do you think he used? Called that Lavo. Ain't no toy. It was designed to kill. He's gonna get what's coming to him. I have some questions. He knows that the suspect is in that ladle, and he has that ladle in his basement. Is your brother owning that ladle? Are you forgetting who the sheriff is? There is no sheriff here. We never know as much as we think we do, Alice. Um, the theme for that day was sensory horror, uh, and it's uh, about a reformed hunter. He's got a kind of a tough past there, um, and he is played by uh, Nikolai Colster Waldo from uh, Game of Thrones. Gives a solid performance and really anchors this film. And he's a reformed hunter living in isolation in a wildlife sanctuary. And he becomes involved in this uh, game of cat and mouse when he and the local sheriff uh, set out to track this vicious killer who he suspects kidnapped his daughter many years ago. And that kidnapping has very much ruined his life. This is uh, an intense thriller. And it does work with the sensory idea because uh, there's a, a grisly way that the killer um, deals with the kidnap victims, cuts their vocal cords, and uh, then kind of stalks them and hunts them and uh, and ultimately kills them. Uh, and there's a few other uh, twists along the way. This is a movie I didn't know a whole lot about, and I, I spotted it um, when I was looking for some ideas. Uh, it was on Prime. It's, uh, it came out in uh, 2020. It's an hour and 33 minutes, and it's not uh, not a big time commitment. It it moves very fast and uh, just very impressive. Uh, the the sheriff played by Annabelle Wallace is also very good. Uh, directed by Robin Pront and uh, written by Mackay Random. And so uh, this is a movie that I just wanted to promote because I'm not sure a lot of people have uh, even heard of the silencing. And there's a lot of movies kind of Silent Hill, Silent Night, uh, silence. So a title like this can get a little bit lost here, but the silencing was a very good time. Horrific down to earth concept. I think I could see, you know, when you look at the true crime stuff that, uh, something like this 
could happen. There isn't a whole lot where it's, you know, too too outlandish. But maybe it's could be labeled more of an action thriller than a horror movie, but it it worked for me for that uh, particular day and when I was looking for watching something new and again I I uh, I just wanted to uh, to mention it here on the show. My number 9 choice is one that is a lot more famous and this was from the Universal Monsters Day which I believe was the first day of the challenge and I decided to revisit The Wolfman Beaten by a werewolf and lives, becomes a werewolf himself. Oh, don't hand me that. You're just wasting your time. The wolf beat you, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he did. You wouldn't want to run away with a murderer, would you? Oh, Larry, you're not. You know you're not. I killed Bela. I killed Richardson. If I stay here any longer, you can't tell who'll be next. by George Wagner. This is one of the Universal Monster movies I, I, I really enjoyed. A few years ago, I got uh, this box set and I started watching them. And of course, I was interested in the famous ones like Dracula with Bela Lugosi and, and, and Frankenstein and all that. But this, this first Wolfman really kind of got me interested very much in Lon Chaney Jr. And I, I also listened to a commentary with it and found out a lot about the interesting history of the making of this movie and Lon Chaney's father was very famous in silent films and I think kind of gave Lon Chaney Jr. a, a bit of a tough time but I, I think he's terrific playing Lawrence Talbot who has this kind of uh, this this curse that happens uh, whenever there's a full moon and he's a really sweet nice guy but then he essentially turns into uh, a monster he comes back he's had a you know this family that has uh, a lot of money. Um, some really good actors in here. Claude Rains, who's fairly famous, was in uh, Casablanca. Uh, Ralph, a young Ralph Bellamy is in the movie as well. Bella Lugosi himself um, uh, appears as as somebody who has also uh, experienced this curse and is somewhat, you know, kind of trying to warn Lawrence Talbot about about uh you know what's what's going to be happening to him and then there's this malevola played by maria ostom 
Kaya, every scene she's in is uh, very, like, she, she, you just can't take your eyes off of her. So, solid group of actors at the time. At this point, they were just uh, turning one movie after another after another in that Universal studio system. And The Wolfman, I think, is a very worthy member of the original Universal monster films there. So, I, I had a good, ch- good time again, kind of revisiting it and learning a little bit more about it. And it's another quick one, an hour and 10 minutes only. Again, the movies in those days were uh, were very fast. They, uh, they didn't waste a whole lot of time in telling the story there. And had some really cool for the time makeup effects and, and certainly the cinematography with the transition scene. Um, they certainly don't have the technology that we have now, but uh, it's something kind of magic that still i think works that they uh they do in in those scenes there so very well directed and put together very famous uh universal monster movie that i put as number nine my number eight was a uh the theme was movie with a party i decided uh to give this was my second pass at scream six you got a problem here guy the secret. There's a darkness inside of me. It followed me here. And it's gonna keep coming for us. We share a certain history. This isn't like any other ghost face. What is this place? A shrine. We've got to lure him in. We execute him. Hello. Let's play a game. You know you're like the 10th guy to try this, right? It never works out for the dipshit in the mask. Maybe. But there's never been one like me, Gail. <laughs> I'm something... different. That's why I'm gonna shoot you in the head. You want me. So let's finish this. Guys? Which is a also a 2023 movie and this is directed by Matt Badalini Alpen and Tyler Gillett and I I know when I saw it in theaters I was kind of thinking to myself I you know this is maybe uh, not the weakest but maybe the second weakest scream film 
Uh, this time I relaxed. I knew everything that was going to happen. I kind of feel like I knew everything that was going to happen when I saw it in theaters, but I was a little bit more uh, unhappy about that, I guess. Uh, but this time I was relaxed and just watched like the, the, the technical filmmaking and everything that they were doing. And, you know, uh, I think maybe the fact Nev Campbell wasn't in the movie had me kind of concerned. Um, but I started to kind of, this, this new group kind of grew on me a little bit more. <laughs> and then little did I know with the recent struggles with uh, trying to get the next Scream movie out that a lot of these characters that I was starting to warm up to are likely not going to be part of the next uh, Scream film, um, unfortunately. But I do like uh, Melissa Barrera, who plays Sam Carpenter, um, who was looking like she was going to be, you know, the next Sydney Prescott, but with uh, a, a little bit of a twist there. And they're setting up some what was potentially going to be some interesting stuff for the next one. But I'm happy to see, you know, Courtney Cox is still with the series. Jen Ortega, who's become a really kind of important, interesting presence there. Um, and uh, But she's very committed to that Wednesday uh, series as well. Um, and I... You know, I, I like what she does there. I think I like Melissa Barrera in uh, these new screen movies a, a little bit better. And then we, we get to see some other kind of really well-known actors who show up. It's nice to see Hayden uh, Penetier coming back. And uh, she was, uh, of course, part of the Scream 4 entry and uh, her character coming back into the fold in this one. And I think that's the only thing I would say is, you know, in other times in screen movies, when you would see a, uh, a familiar face, that would lead you down to a little bit of a path where you're thinking, okay, um, seeing a few of the screen movies, this person is maybe the killer, but may not be the killer. I, I think it was a little bit predictable and still, you know, that doesn't really change who one of or possibly the only killer is for, uh, I don't want to spoil too much for those us uh, have not seen Scream 6 yet, but I, I was able to uh, predict a few things. There were a couple of twists and turns here and there, but uh, I, and I would have to say like the opening is very good too. Really enjoyed that. Samira Weaving uh, makes an appearance in the opening and it's, it's interesting and just to move the whole story to New York City during Halloween was was kind of cool. But unlike a lot of other screen movies, the party scene is really early on. It's it's almost like in our, our first few scenes of the movie. But it was a little bit of an excuse to watch uh, Scream 6 again and uh, reevaluate it even a few months later. And I think on the whole, I really like Scream 6. Um, it's, yeah, it's not my favorite in the Scream franchise, but I think it, uh, it works well. And my good feelings about that got it uh, to number eight for this year's challenge. My number seven choice is a 1980s classic. Uh, the theme of special effects or makeup by Bob Keane. And I didn't really know a whole lot about Bob Keane, but very important and influential in horror effects and, and makeup. And I decided to take a look at 1988's Waxwork. It's 11.45, let's go. Imagine if you will an exhibit in fear. It looks a little spooky, boys. You think we should do this? A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. Ooh, scary. Your fascination with ghosts, monsters, and the many unearthly elements of the supernatural. Welcome to the Look. Now this 
It's killed her. Enjoy. Wow, the glass is from Nutty Zombies from Hell. Lose yourself in it. Do you like a closer look? Really? But whatever you do, don't step over the rope. Welcome, my dear. We thought you were too tired to join us. All right, I'm hypnotized. Coffee, we'll talk about it. I want out of here, Sarah. I'm serious. Getting scared? Do I get a pretty woman in my illusion? No. No, I get a dork. It isn't real. Bravo! What the hell did you kill him for? He'd have been perfect. Strong Pictures welcomes you into a new dimension in terror. Waxwork. Waxwork is a movie that's directed by Anthony Hickox, and a group of young people end up uh, for an evening in this wax museum, which has, you know, this very colorful and, you know, fairly creepy proprietor, played by the great, late, great David Warner, playing Waxwork Man. And what starts to happen is some of the interests and desires of these young people, they find themselves acting out in these different historical scenarios, which are being depicted through the waxworks. And then we kind of see what that leads to. And, uh, of course, there's a character that nobody really believes who is kind of figuring out um, what what's going on and trying to stop things before they go completely out of control. The climax to this movie is so much fun. It is wild. It is out of control. And it's a, it's a true battle. There's a fair amount of violence, for sure, and some, some great makeup effects. Um, and it's a, it's a good time. It's an hour, 33 minutes. And it was, I'd, I'd always seen the poster and always been curious about waxwork, but I, I didn't know what type of a horror movie it was because a lot of eighties horror movies were also very, uh, gruesome in nature. And that's kind of what I thought this one would be, but it's also a little bit of over the top fun. And yeah, I enjoyed it enough here that I think it, it, it really is a, a prototypical, 80s horror movie young people get in this uh, horrific situation and um, have to kind of figure their way out of it and I know there's a sequel which I uh, have not seen yet but uh, Waxwork uh, the original is definitely one I can I can recommend and certainly uh, having a day uh, where I learn a little bit about somebody who's behind the scenes and was influential in uh, making horror movies what they are today Bob Keane I think that was uh that was a very interesting theme to have as part of our 31 Days of Horror. My number six choice, you can't get any farther away, I think, from uh, Waxwork to uh, a Japanese horror movie. The theme was High Rise Horror, and I decided to finally watch Dark Water. Oh, 
母親がこの子をいて急にうちを出て行ったご存じありませんか2年前に女の子が行方不明になった事件河合美津子ちゃん By Hideo Nakata. And I like, as often happens with some of、uh, these great、uh, Asian horror movies that are really classics, they were remade、um, by Hollywood. And I ended up watching the remake of it, the American remake, before watching the original.、Uh, it was some years ago that I watched、uh, Dark Water with, with Jennifer Connelly.、Um, And I, I think ultimately I like both versions. Dark Water has a little bit more mystery to it, but it's、uh, essentially about this,、uh, this single mother who is, moves in、uh, with her daughter to this、uh, apartment. And there, there seems to be some problems with it. There's these water stains in the apartment above that seem to be getting worse.、Um, The little girl seems to be kind of having some difficulties and maybe seeing somebody who may or may not be an imaginary friend.、Uh, and there's flashbacks to some of the trauma that、uh, the mother has had from her childhood. It's, it's a lot of style and it is just a classic ghost story. Beautifully directed,、uh, the script unravels perfectly.、Um, having seen the American remake, I I kind of knew what was going on from,、uh, from the beginning, but the journey was still so fascinating. I was really interested to see how it had changed. And again, it had been many years since I saw the American、uh, remake here. So it still felt kind of a new, fresh type of a,、uh, a film for me to watch.、Uh, it is a slow burn.、Uh, there's no doubt about it for those who like. Their horror, Fast and Furious, and to go straight into、uh, violence and gore. This is not that type of a horror movie,、uh, but I really like the slow burn horror movies.、Um, and、I've, I think I made that clear at points、uh, on this show here. So, Dark Water is a terrific film. I think it benefits from rewatches.、Uh, there'll be some details, and there's always kind of something a little bit suspenseful or a little bit creepy or more going on in the frame than、uh, you could spot、uh, the first time watching it. So,、um, directed、uh, by a master filmmaker there with,、uh, with Nakada there. So,、uh, Dark Water is number six. Number five, I, I chose、uh, from the theme of、uh, horror involving the elderly, a movie I, I had heard. Heard、uh, the title before, and this is another 2020 release called Relic. When was the last time you spoke to her? It's been a few weeks. Gran? Mom? Mom? She called me a few weeks ago. I think she was scared. She thought someone was coming into the house. Tea? 
Do you know where you were, Mum? I suppose I went out. What's this? That was on the property when your grandfather inherited it. His mind wasn't there in the end. You can't put Gran in a home. She can't live on her own anymore. She has to be watched. Everything all right, Gran? I thought this was where it got in. Who? Whoever it was coming into the house. Mum, what is it? It's here. Under the bed. There's nothing under the bed, Mum. Will you check for me? help you, Mum. I can see you. <laughs> this house seems unfamiliar. And again, I, I found this one on Prime. And why I was uh, curious about this one is there's a, uh, a 1990s B creature feature movie that I have always enjoyed called The Relic. Uh, this has absolutely nothing to do with The Relic. This is uh, set in Australia. And after uh, an elderly woman uh, goes missing from her home. Her daughter and granddaughter come out to s see if she's safe, and she is. She appears to be completely gone. They don't know what to do, and they go into the house and uh, and 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 try to kind of fix things up and figure out what to do. And um, then suddenly, this grandmother shows up, and th things kind of seem like they're normal sometimes. Other times, there's some really kind of dark stuff going on. And the, the, the daughter, mother, and grandmother dynamic are all very, very interesting. The, the whole thing ends up being an allegory very much about uh, how dementia starts to consume the person, but also consume an entire family and affect the entire family. And that's realized in a, in a visual way, which is really unique and interesting, not something that I would have necessarily... Uh, predicted really like emily mortimer that's an act she's an actor i've always really enjoyed i again I, I didn't know that she could you know play play an australian she she does it well enough and robin nevin playing edna playing uh, the mother is terrific but i actually think bella heathcote who plays sam the the daughter kind of steals the movie and we see, you know, in moments where she's kind of saying to herself, oh, I, you know, maybe I could just stay in and help you out, Grandma. And, you know, this is my way of kind of seeking some independence. But then, you know, there's from scene to scene, she's not quite sure, you know, if uh, aligning with her grandmother against her mother is a, is a good idea or not. But, yeah, there's some actually like really kind of claustrophobic and, and horrific moments. And the ending is memorable. The ending kind of leaves you thinking a bit. You know, I, I think it's another one, like a lot of movies I talk about, where a rewatch would benefit me, I think, in kind of trying to interpret some of the other moments that happen, and particularly that that ending, which I think is is sending a kind of an even greater message about uh, about um, this this horrible disease uh, of uh, 
of, of dementia and uh and it's it's a really clever idea want to shout out uh, the the director natalie erica and uh, again we're we're starting to to starting to slowly move into a time where we're getting more and more super talented and uh wonderful female horror directors it's about time uh that and again, it's still few and far between. I feel like there's what the wonderful and talented part has always been there. It's just the opportunities have not been there for as many women to direct horror and uh, and probably across all genres. And that's starting to hopefully uh, improve there. But uh, Natalie Erica is one to uh, watch for sure. I'm I'm interested to see more films from this uh, director. My number four choice, a uh, movie that ended up being a lot more fun. I, I had very low expectations for it, but I was to watch a horror movie from this year, 2023. Of course, I included Scream 6, but in, under a different theme. But I decided, because I was starting to hear, like I thought when I saw the, the trailers, I thought this is a movie I'm probably going to avoid at all costs. But I started to hear really interesting things about The Pope's Exorcist. Father Gabriele Amorth. On the night of June 4th, you performed an exorcism. That was not an exorcism. The majority of cases do not require an exorcism. 98% are recommended by him to doctors and psychiatrists. The other 2%, I call it evil. We have more questions for you, Father Mort. You have a problem with me. You talk to my boss, the Pope. There is a case that needs your attention. Take caution, there are secrets buried there. He's about to conceal. The church has fought against this demon before. The Vatican covered it up. We need to find out why. You've been played. You talk to fate. Whatever you do. You only do because God allows it. Did he allow that? Imagine what could happen if the devil possessed the soul of the Pope's exorcist. Who will defend you? My faith. Does not require defense. The Pope's Exorcist is directed by Julius Avery and stars in a just a just a wonderful performance by Russell Crowe, playing Father Gabriel Amorth, who is the Pope exorcist essentially and kind of goes around 
and in a lot of ways debunking some of these supposed possession uh, situations. We have this absolutely wonderful opening scene. And if you're looking for a down-to-earth, realistic possession film, if there is some, uh, this is probably not going to be it. Because Russell Crowe's having a lot of fun playing this Italian guy. He's a big, you know, a big guy. And he wears his outfit and he goes around on this uh, tiny little bike travels everywhere that he goes um and is uh, quite an eccentric fella and he has this uh this younger priest played by daniel zavada uh father equibial who uh is the the local priest trying to help out this family um and they're this american family who have uh moved into this house but uh it seems like the possession has hit uh the, the little boy in the family, and there is some sort of a strange history to this house that they're living in, which gets revealed as the movie goes on. It becomes more and more over the top and kind of bizarre <laughs> what what goes on. Uh, nice touch as well is um, Franco Nero playing the Pope. Franco Nero, again, was part of a lot of spaghetti westerns, and... Um, was recently talked about uh, on my my uh, my show, my Italian episode there with uh, Lindsay Wilkins, and you know uh, he's he he still has this this kind of charisma, and we do get a scene with Russell Crowe and Franco Nero, which is uh, absolutely wonderful, and uh, yeah, I I'm not sure I want to say much more about it because this is really just supposed to be a sampling of. Films that I think are worth people's time, uh, and this is one that I kind of went up and down about it. It, it, it was, it was uh, at one point, it was maybe even number, you know, number three or pretty close to number two. But you do have to kind of suspend your disbelief and just lay back and just enjoy the the entertainment of it. Uh, if you uh, like this type of movie, if you don't like this type of movie, early on you'll know that it's not for you, and uh, it's it's maybe not going to be as good a, a time. I heard somebody refer to it as being more Evil Dead 2 than um, the William Freakin, uh The Exorcist. And I, I kind of agree with that. It's, it's got that over-the-top quality that the, kind of the thing I've been looking for with the new Evil Dead movies, but I've found missing. This movie has fun to it. And again, I can't emphasize enough how enjoyable Russell Crowe is um, in this movie. And I just, I just love seeing Russell Crowe shine again i'm i'm interested what the next you know the next few years look like i know there's there's a, a gladiator sequel a movie i have huge problems with the uh original gladiator on the horizon i don't know what that's uh gonna necessarily mean uh for for him in his career all the way up number three now it was european horror i decided to look at uh a 1960s horror classic that i had never seen eyes without a face
interpreted by Georges Franjou. And it is, it is a, a, this is another wild movie. Essentially, there's a, uh, a surgeon who uh, has caused an accident which has left his, his daughter disfigured. And he's going to great lengths to try to find her a new face using all of his surgical skills. And you can kind of imagine some of the uh, the lack of ethics and the um, the moral situations he's in. He has this faithful assistant who helps him essentially kidnap women uh, to sort of see if their faces are going to match and are going to going to stay with his daughters. And um, it's it's an older movie. It's a black and white film, but it really has some chilling and and incredibly creepy images and the use of a, a mask I know masks can sometimes be just incredibly creepy in films but there's something with a, a mask in a black and white movie in the in the 60s that just the way that that is is presented here but they go for the makeup and they you know it has it has its violence it has its gore it doesn't really hold back and maybe that's because it is a little bit more from the uh the outside of the hollywood system and is uh is a french film but it's it lives up to its billing for sure it is uh a, a really really unsettling film uh it's an hour and 30 minutes it doesn't overstay its welcome i mean i I kind of thought towards the end, oh, they're going to be adding a bunch more stuff. When the climax of the film happens and once we reach a resolution, that's pretty much where it goes. It doesn't overstay its welcome at, at all. It's uh, very well paced. Uh, the setup, I suppose it's a little bit of a slow burn, but not much of a slow burn uh, setup. And there's also kind of a kind of a, a great police investigation aspect to this film as well it's it's a it's a terrific film and I, I was kind of weighing between it and the pope's exorcist i think the you know the pope's exorcist is so entertaining uh and 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 it's it's fun eyes without a face isn't always fun but what it achieves it is a much scarier movie uh, than the pope's exorcist uh and so as a result of that i had to give it a few more points as far as as the scare factor goes okay up to number two and the theme was creepy crawly which i don't think i was actually looking forward to this theme i'm not much of a kind of a, a gross out or creature feature or bug based type of uh like that doesn't necessarily work for me as entertainment or or horror but part of this one of the movies that qualified for this is a movie I've always wanted to see. The the Blu-ray and everything for it is insanely, uh, prohibitively expensive. Um, but I found phenomena. of this part of the country. It comes from the Alps. The blasts of warm air cause snow avalanches. While it blows, there are those who say it causes madness.
Have you any idea why they behave like that? Never done this before. It's probably because of me. I guess they sense the mood I'm in. See, he's not afraid of you. He won't do that for me. Ask him to lead you where the dead bodies are hidden, and he'll lead you. That fly is your magic wand. It's perfectly normal for insects to be slightly telepathic. Yeah, it's normal for insects. But am I normal? I love you. I love you all. by Dario Argento, uh, actually on, on Tubi, and uh, I don't, don't know why I didn't spot it on Tubi before, but I uh, sat down and I just loved this movie from beginning to end. Young Jennifer Connelly comes into uh, this boarding house. Her uh, father is, is a very, very famous movie star. And in this uh, community there, there are some crimes happening, uh, murders happening that haven't, haven't been solved. And it seems like the, uh, the young girl, played by Jennifer Connelly, she's able to, to see these crimes happening and they feel very real to her. Uh, she also sleepwalks, which proves to be a, a problem because she manages to find ways to, you know, sleepwalk her way out of this school and into the community and we kind of see a very elaborate sequence like that but she also has this ability to communicate with insects and and so this leads her to on one of these nights where she is sleepwalking she ends up getting uh, connected to this entomologist uh professor john mcgregor played by the great donald pleasance and uh, those two together are just they're, they're just wonderful but this this, this journey we go on with uh, with Jennifer Connelly playing her character's name is Jennifer Corvino, as I understand it. Dario Argento was a fan of uh, Jennifer Connelly, even though she was still very young in her career, and created this role especially for her and really put her through the ringer. I, it was, you know, there's there's a sequence towards the end where she has to jump in, and it is one of the you know. It is a creepy, crawly, uncomfortable sequence, but you know the payoff. I do have to admit, I, I wasn't, I wasn't ahead of the movie, and I thought I might be ahead of it as far as the murder mystery aspect. But it did kind of make sense when, when we got to the point where we have a little bit more of an idea of who is behind these crimes and uh, and the reasoning behind it. It, it. it brings the violence for sure, and body parts get cut off and. You know, uh, it does have some, you know, horror movie cliches where you think that our main character is safe and then something else happens, which is kind of shocking. Again, there's a, you know, a scene that could be, you know, taken straight out of Kubrick's version of The Shining. But 
Uh, it is it is so entertaining, so much fun. It lived up to the hype because for years I've wanted to see this, but I, I thought there's no way it's going to be as good as I am imagining it to be. I've become a bigger and bigger fan of Jennifer Connelly over the years. I like her work when she was young. I certainly, up to last year with Top Gun Maverick, was happy to see her back in, in films and A Beautiful Mind and Requiem for a Dream and all of these great roles throughout her career. I talked a lot about on my 50th episode, The Hot Spot, uh, when she was she was still pretty young in that movie uh, with Don Johnson and directed by uh, Dennis Hopper. And uh, like I, I think she centers this movie quite well, considering how little experience I think at that, this point she had had in front of the camera. And this was one that where, you know, the, the dubbing and uh, all the stuff where people were speaking different languages on, on set uh, that one didn't really bother me as much. I, Dario Argento is is considered one of the most important horror filmmakers of all time. And I, I mean, I really love uh, The Bird with the Crystal Plumage and, and, and some of the movies that he's done. Phenomenon doesn't, I'm not sure, is always kind of recognized as it's one of his great works, but not like his greatest. But some of like, say, Suspiria doesn't work for me as well as Phenomena did. So I can't recommend this movie enough. It's, you know, certainly it's not not anymore a, a new movie. It's another movie that uh, kind of comes out from uh, the 1980s, right in the middle of 1985. I dare say if I was doing uh, kind of a, a top horror movies of the 80s list, Phenomena would likely be on it. Uh, I loved it so much. So because I'm praising this so much, you have to be wondering, what is my number one? Um, my number one came from the day of a special edition from your collection and essentially my collection. I went to uh, my Criterion Collection uh, Blu-ray of Night of the Living Dead. to get you Barbara directed by George A. Romero I don't have to sell anybody on this movie it is a horror classic it very much led to you know the zombie movies that we have even you know today independent overperformed at the time just put together by a master filmmaker in his early days you know I uh, someday I'm gonna have to kind of think about and and there are actually some of the uh, the Romero zombie movies I haven't seen yet but think about uh, doing that and, and figuring out what are my favorites but I, I go back to this movie a lot and it, it never disappoints and you know a group of people simply stuck in this this house 
and nobody knows exactly what's going on but they're they're trying to survive and we have the people who are panicking and and are hysterical and the others are trying to protect then we have the people who are like doing absolutely everything wrong the cooper character has become a character in horror movies but this character is literally named cooper in Night of the Living Dead. And then we have the folks who somehow have the survival skills and they know what to do in this situation and they just they just uh, act. And Ben, played by Dwayne Jones, uh, is, is that character. He's trying to help Barbara, played by Judith Odia, settle down, but needs her help trying to secure this house. And then we start to discover all of these other people are around the house and in the house and the attempts to work together and how that breaks down. And again, the, the greater comment of, you know, yeah, the, the zombies are pretty scary and dangerous, but the people themselves are, are, are often worse. That gets introduced in this uh, pioneering film. So it's, yeah, it, it is simply one of the greatest horror movies of all time. And I decided to watch it, I, even though I, I, I did try kind of throughout the challenge to introduce myself to some new movies. Night of the Living Dead, number one of my 2023 top 10 horror movie challenge list. So I hope you've enjoyed this fairly short episode where I'm quickly going through my top 10 and uh, we'll start to tune into uh, some ep episodes, probably more episodes being produced, shorter running time, I think, uh, over the next uh, while. But I do have a few episodes coming up which will have the traditional six reviews as well. And as we kind of go along, I'll explain different changes to the point system and things that we're going to be doing. Uh, before I go, of course, uh, shout out some podcasts. Larry's show, Rank and Review. Matt's show, Film Feast. Kurt's show, A Lifetime of Hallmark. Lindsay's show, Schlock and Awe. And uh, please check out all these fine independent movie podcasts and uh, so many more. And if you just take a look, any topic to do with film, there's a podcast for it. And just just, just give it a shot. I find from listening to podcasts, I learn all kinds of interesting things. You know, the more I dig in, the more I realize I know a lot about movies, but there's so much more I don't know. And uh, that's kind of the great thing about uh, being able to reach out to podcasters from uh, different walks of life and all over the world. Again, just doing this uh, for the love of film and, uh, and, and just for fun, much, much like myself. And uh, again, just keep supporting the movies and please be kind to one another and uh, be respectful of each other. And I just uh, hope as we kind of keep moving towards the end of 2023 and into 2024, that some of the conflict in the world can, can settle down or, you know, things can be worked out. And I just, just want a peaceful time for everybody and just people recognize we don't all have to agree on everything. And that's, uh, that's usually my message towards the end of my show there. So um, again, I uh, thank you so much for listening to the show and there'll be a lot more to come. Take care.